Hello everyone, this is Kat here. I wanted to come in quickly and add a trigger warning to this episode. We will be covering sensitive topics that could trigger people with a history of child abuse, sexual abuse, or prejudice against women. And even though this episode may contain triggers, we want to remind everyone that triggers are our best opportunities for growth. And that's the whole point of this episode. Even though we're feeling triggered, it doesn't mean that we have to run away from those feelings. Embrace those feelings, learn from those feelings, and grow from those feelings. We hope that regardless of the topics in this episode, you find this information helpful to you in your healing. And we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Vibing Consciously podcast, where we explore the power of conscious living and elevating our vibrations. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm a metaphysician and energy healer. I specialize in healing trauma and guiding us on the journey to self-love. My purpose is to help the world heal through this pivotal time in history, and I'm honored to be here by my best friend and co-host, Sarah. I'll be here to help everyday people find ways to stay healthy while healing because it's essential to nourish our bodies as well as our minds in order to stay fit and create a life of joy. I survived because the fire inside of me burned brighter than the fire around me. Welcome back to Vibing Consciously. Today we're going to be discussing toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is ignoring our innate human emotions and reactions for the sake of staying positive. Yes. And I know that people are thinking, isn't being positive a good thing? And being positive is absolutely a good thing, but not at the expense of ignoring our feelings. Sarah, have you ever been guilty of toxic positivity? Oh, yes. I'm 100% guilty of toxic positivity because I always want everybody in the house to be happy and positive. I think it leads back to like childhood and not growing up in like the happiest home. Now that I'm learning about it and know about it, I want to bring it into the house and I want it to be there all the time. But I have to realize that that's not how life works, that people aren't always going to be happy and positive and I'm cloud nine. Yeah, and it's a lot easier when everybody stays positive. You can just move about your day a lot easier and you don't have to worry about managing the emotions of three little humans and yourself. Mm -hmm. But the bad part about that is you're ignoring the way you feel Mm -hmm. and emotions become trapped inside of your body causing pain and disease. We've talked about this a hundred times. And if we continue to ignore them, they will always resurface at a later time and probably more powerful than they were in the beginning until we can face it and feel it. Yes. And I can give you an example. Uh, Yesterday we went to the pool and my middle daughter or my middle child, we got there and she wasn't really into it. And I was kind of like, but I brought you to the pool. It's sunny out. It's nice out. I brought you to the pool. And would your friend. But then I was like, you know what, whatever. I get it. I used to be a teenager. You want to just lay in the sun, lay in the sun. Maybe that's what she needs today. For a minute, I was like, she needs to just do this because this is what I wanted to do. But then something clicked and I was like, you know what, no, just let her lay in the sun. It's okay. Because that's what she needs to do. She doesn't need to do what mom wants her to do. 
mom needs to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's hard though because you get everything together. You get the towels, the snacks, the water bottles, all the extra stuff that they need. And then you get to the pool and she doesn't want to get in the pool. And being a mom especially is so difficult, especially when you have multiples, because you can't always manage the emotions of three separate little people. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I just have the one daughter. And when she has things like that come up, it triggers me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me look at it like I didn't have this growing up. I didn't have even a third of the stuff that you have and the opportunities that you have. Therefore, I'm triggered, which Mm -hmm. is not her fault. It's not her fault that she has all these things and life is easier now than it used to be. But the more that we push our kids or push ourselves to ignore the way we're feeling, it will come back. And it'll come back in very inconvenient times when you're in the middle of the store or when you're in the middle of work and then you have such overwhelming emotion in your body that you can't control it anymore. You can't put on the smile and you start to fall apart. And I know that most of the time when people ask, Hey, how are you doing? Our first reaction is usually, Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. When really we could be having a horrible day, mm-hmm. but we're lying just for the sake of pleasing the person on the other end of the conversation. Yeah. And like about a month or two ago, I was just finishing up a yoga class. We all walked out and the yoga instructor had asked this guy, she's like, so how are you feeling? And he's like, you know, not any better. And I was kind of like shocked at his response. But then I was like, well, at least he's being honest because I don't always walk out of that room feeling on cloud nine or feeling amazing because I don't know each time you take a yoga class brings up different emotions right and you can't settle all that in one yoga class and good for him for actually speaking up and saying it because he's honoring himself when he does that but at least it looks like he's taking the steps to make it better he's going to yoga I don't know what he's doing at home because I don't know the guy but he's at least trying to make it better which is great there are the people that will answer back, oh, well, I went to the doctor last week and they think it's cancer. And you say, oh my gosh, what happened? What did they see? And they say, well, I had a blood panel run and it came back with this level high. And I say, okay, so what makes you think it's cancer? Did they say that? And they say, oh, well, I Googled it. I looked it up on WebMD and all of my symptoms match. Okay, so did the doctor say it was cancer? Well, no, but yeah, I just know it. So you have people that are like that, absolutely. That sounds like a little bit like of a, maybe like a narcissist too? Yeah, maybe people who are consumed in their own illness and misery. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, a lot of people from my past. I have a lot of people like that. We know some people like that. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I think everybody knows people like that. And we've said in previous episodes, doctors now, we've gotten to this point in our human evolution where doctors are now responsible for telling us what's happening inside of our body. Not Mm -hmm. us. It's like we're totally ignorant as to what's happening inside of our bodies. The doctors are the ones that are telling us. And I'll tell you right now, the doctors write scripts who make the pharmaceutical companies a ton of money. 
and the doctors can't see inside of my body all the time and there are an array of tests that you can do to figure out what's going on and you can absolutely manifest cancer if that's what you want if you keep telling all of your friends that you have cancer then guess what you're probably going to end up with cancer so congratulations Mm -hmm. yeah we know how toxic toxic positivity is and for me personally when i'm going through these healing things i will get depressed i want to sleep all day or I want to ignore my needs and do something that is self-sabotage-y. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just part of the human condition. I try not to self-sabotage as much as possible, but I do, just like everybody, have unhealthy coping mechanisms that I'm trying to grow out of. Mm-hmm. I've said in the past, I have been known to eat a lot of sugar. Whenever Mm. I'm feeling down, that's the first thing I reach for is sugar for that instant dopamine effect to make me feel better. But now I have the awareness of it where before I did not. So if it were me saying, oh, I'm feeling depressed and anxious today, I'll always follow it up with, but I know it's only temporary. Mm -hmm. I'm honoring myself right now. There's obviously something trying to come up. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I, um, I know I've mentioned Joe Dispenza on past episodes because I love Joe Dispenza. And if you aren't familiar with him, he really has broken down the mind-body connection where you can heal your body through deep meditation and changing yeah. your thought because everything is energy. You change your energy and you can heal yourself and change who you are. And I absolutely agree with that, but there's one little part that's missing. And I don't think that anyone in these roles like Joe Dispenza can cover every little thing that it takes to heal. It's impossible. Yeah. Joe Dispenza, just like Deepak Chopra or other people in the healing or spiritual community, they're only tools. And sometimes we need a hammer. Sometimes we need a screwdriver. Sometimes we need a wrench. You have all of these tools to use towards the end same result. So Joe Dispenza to me is like my epoxy. Mm -hmm. He is the shiny top coat finish on the rest of the beautiful work I've done. Because you can try to stay positive. And you can try to meet your future self because that's what Joe Dispenza says. When you go into these meditations, visualize your future self and who you want to be. And as you see yourself as this person, you will become this person. But with him, as I was saying, the one little piece that he's missing a lot of the time is feeling the feelings that come up through repressed memory or past trauma. Mm -hmm. He constantly says, do not revisit the past. I don't revisit the past. The past revisits me. So why is that though? Because I spent 35 years ignoring it all. Uh, That's why, because... That's why in your dreams that you dream a lot about the past. Yep. Then why do I dream about the future or present events? Does that mean that the past is not bothering me? No, absolutely not. In your dreams, you could ignore these things too. It may just not be time yet because right now the present is probably where you need to be. Mm -hmm. But for me, I have set a very clear intention for the universe. I am here to help people. Mm -hmm. That is my mission. I know that's my mission. That's exactly why I came here. 
For you, you could have a different mission and it could be to help people just by teaching yoga. Uh But for me, my passion has always been helping people cope and heal from trauma because my life was controlled by trauma for a long time. And when I say I barely have happy memories from my childhood, I'm telling the truth. I, I don't have many happy memories from my childhood. And I don't have many happy memories from my teenage years or early 20s. A lot of the memories I have are extremely painful, but I've ignored them because I've always been a workaholic. I worked, 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 and kept myself so busy that I never even looked at my trauma. And honestly, when me and my husband first got together, and you know, you're learning about each other and you're talking about your past and all that, it was the first time that he was, that I ever had someone say to me, that's not normal. (laughs) That's not good. If you don't deal with this, it's going to come back up. And my answer to him was, No, you have no idea how much strength I have, how much resilience I have, and no, it will not come back up because I'm strong. Uh And I believed it (laughs) until COVID hit. And then COVID is like, yeah, right. Uh Let's show you. And he told me, he warned me, and the universe speaks through other people. So the universe was telling me 10 years ago, you're going to have to deal with this trauma. But I said, nope. Yeah. Middle finger to you, universe. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> and then COVID hit and oh boy, I felt like I was in the middle of a storm. It was so many moving parts too, because COVID, you're watching so many people die and get sick. And not just COVID, but the Black Lives Matter movement. I think that that's the thing that hurt me the most and really triggered this um this sleeping beast inside of me, I'll call it. Because it's one thing watching a disease take people down. It's another thing watching human beings taking each other down simply for the color of your skin. Uh-huh. And it was it was horrible for me to watch. I had to take days off of work. Uh-huh. The workaholic had to tell her boss, I don't know what is happening right now, but I'm falling apart. And I couldn't get through my work. So that really triggered something inside that showed me how horribly we treat each other sometimes and how horribly I've been treated and how horribly I've also treated other people in my life. Because that is something else that weighed heavy on me. When I was a teenager, I was awful. I had so much anger. I was a wonderful friend. I was a very loyal and dedicated friend. But if I felt like any of my friendships were threatened by someone else, I took that other person down. Mm. And it was awful. And it weighed on my shoulders for years because I saw the effects of how one person treated me in middle school or high school. I had someone tell me in middle school, two separate things. So for one, I was told all the time how ugly I was when I took my glasses off. And I was also told, oh, well, you have a great body, but if you just cut your head off and put a new head, you'll be good. Mm. And that person didn't realize 
the effect that they were having on me because guess what? I don't wear contacts still to this day. I hate wearing contacts. And I have these big ass glasses that take up my whole face because I feel like it's a security blanket for me. Mm. And I also struggle with thinking that I'm pretty, not my body. I think my body is good. I'm a little skinny sometimes, but you know, I struggle with feeling pretty. So the day of my wedding was a big eye opener for me because a lot of people said, are you going to wear your contacts? Are you going to wear your glasses? And oh my God, <laughs> like just the, uh, the thought and the pain that came along with that decision. And I wore my glasses because it's, it's how I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to feel insecure on my wedding day wearing contacts. Mm-hmm. But how horrible is that? Yeah. I mean, That's... it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And the things that kids say to each other, they don't realize, they don't realize what they're saying or how it's going to affect that person. Right. But I knew how tightly I was holding on to that. And I know I've said some things and that worry ate at me. Like, oh my God, are they holding on to what I said? The way that I'm holding on to what this person told me. Mm -hmm. So what I did about that, instead of ignoring my feelings, I started writing these people because a lot of these people I'm friends with on Facebook, but we don't talk. And I wrote them letters apologizing to them. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. I had so many people coming back and saying, oh, I forgave you a long time ago. Mm. That I haven't even thought about that. And I said, oh my God, I have been holding on to this worry and guilt and shame for decades when they let go of it so long ago. Mm-hmm. So we have to feel that those things that we're holding inside of us, we have to feel it and heal it. And instantly right there, when I got their response back, I was fine. And you know, what's funny too, I read somewhere that it only takes 45 seconds to process an emotion that's coming up. We spend our entire lives running from 45 seconds of deep sadness. I mean, isn't that crazy that if we could just allow ourselves, yeah, right, deal with it in that 45 seconds, we'll be good. Right. Just 45 seconds. My God. But because it feels so painful, even five seconds is enough to make us run. Mm-hmm. But once I had the awareness of that, and when I started feeling these feelings bubble up, because what I say is I feel my inner child beating her drum inside mm-hmm. of me. When I feel it coming up, I honor that and I'll let myself have the 45 seconds of uncontrollable sobbing. But then there's a moment, and this happens with everyone when we're crying, where you feel this calm come over your body, where you're able to take a breath mm-hmm. and you feel your body relax. That's when you know the energy has moved. Now, here's the tricky part. You can continue the crying. You can continue the victimhood. You can continue feeling negative. This is where it's your choice. You can move on once you feel that energy move. Because once you feel that calmness come over your body, it's done. The energy has moved out. You're good. But I know a lot of people who continue to cry, who force the negative emotions and thoughts to continue to come back. That's what you don't want to do. But you absolutely don't want to say, oh, well, I'm feeling this and I'm ridiculous. 
I'm just going to put a smile on my face and keep staying positive. That's what you don't want to do. That happened with me the other day when I was at your house. I had some, well, it was actually a couple days before I was at your house, but I kept pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. And when I was at your house, everything was fine. And then my daughter started having her meltdown. And I was like, yep, it's like I could feel it coming to the surface to come out. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, we're done. I gotta go. I gotta leave now. It took till that evening when I had to, had to drive something somewhere. And that was when all that energy came out. Mm-hmm. So, And isn't it funny how our kids are the ones usually that trigger these emotions? Yeah. But I wasn't really into that being at a nine-year-old's birthday party. <laughs> nah. No, it's better to step away, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's funny, though, because I, was, I wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. I was told at 16, you need to give that dream up. You're mm. not going to be a mom. And I had already processed that. And then, boom, I became pregnant with my daughter. And I honestly think a lot of the reason why I became pregnant with her and had her is so I could face my own stuff. Because she is the number one trigger for me. Because... As I see her grow, I see myself as her. And I look at her and I say, oh my God, I could not imagine doing those things to her like my parents did to me. Uh Or her little body, Uh how sexual abuse can happen to a body that small. Now I see why my insides are so jacked up. Uh So imagine feeling stuff like that and how that affects you. It's horrible in that moment but i'll tell you right now it brings me even closer to her and makes me want to love her even more because of the lack of love and support that i had growing up Uh and you had no you had no toxic positivity growing up oh no there was no positive was not a word that happened in my house Mm. i was encouraged by my aunt and uncle to kill myself on a regular basis it was like a rite of passage Mm. And guess what? Their son, my cousin, killed himself at 25. And my aunt found him that way. That's terrible. So take it from me. You don't want to stay in negativity. Uh You really don't. Because it's so easy to get trapped there. Uh But it's just as easy to get trapped in the toxic positivity, too. Because I've seen other families that are the opposite of mine. Where looking from the outside in, I thought that they were really happy. I truly Uh thought that they were happy and I envisioned myself in their family. But then once you start going on the inside and you start seeing the little cracks and the kinks and how much they're shoving that down, you start to think, ah, all right, they're not happy. Uh They're only covering things up with their positivity blanket. Yeah. And people do a lot of that with uh, social media. They will post things that, you know, come across as like, yes, everything is perfect. You know, my life is perfect. This is perfect, 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 perfect. But really, is it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always somebody that knows somebody and you always hear something. Right. And I think that that sets other people up for failure. Because mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that. I love watching baby videos on <laughs> social media. I love watching babies. Because they have such good energy. They're just so happy. And yeah carefree and for me that's what it brings my energy up babies and puppies (laughs) (laughs) but i'll be honest with you 
I'll watch some of these moms with their babies and I'll sit there and cry because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that when my daughter was a baby. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was treading water a lot of the times. Like I said, I had postpartum depression. And at the time, my way of coping with that was going to a psychiatrist and being put on medication. And I remember I was misdiagnosed bipolar. I'm not bipolar, but they put me on medication for bipolar disorder. And guess what? It gave me bipolar disorder. And it also made me pass out on the couch where I could not keep my eyes open when I had a new baby in front of me. Mm -hmm. So... If I had have just felt my feelings, I wouldn't have been in that situation. Uh But I know that now. And I'm not saying that I was never happy with my daughter because we had so many happy times. And I do remember those days when I was holding her in my arms, just caressing her face, thinking how perfect she is. But there were also days where she wouldn't sleep. And I would be sitting outside of her room on the stairs sobbing. Just please, God, go to sleep please. And a lot of moms don't share that on social media. There are some, there are some that are starting to open up and starting to show the hard parts of motherhood. But moms, especially over the years, we have been told, smile, do for your kids, do for your husband, do for your family, but never do for yourself. The only people that matter are the people in front of you, but not you. And how unhealthy is that for moms? We're never able to feel our feelings. And I'll say right now, I know one mom especially who is um, in her 60s that she is an incredible mother and she has wanted nothing but to be a mom. But I can feel her pain every time she comes around me because her voice has never mattered. And now she's starting to wake up to that too, that she's let her husband and her kids walk all over her. And she's starting to say, well, I matter too. But she has no idea how to handle that. Because as a woman in her 60s, I mean, look at what TV was back then and what it showed moms to be. Like the Stepford mom with their nicely ironed dress and their heels that they had to wear in the house to please their husband. Fuck that. No. No. And excuse my language, but I feel very passionate about this. Women matter. We are the life force of our world. We bring life into this world. And even though we have to have some help with that, it does take two. We grow this child inside of us for 10 months and it wreaks havoc on our body. And then once we have the child, our body's thrown into shock because now we're separate. And whether we are breastfeeding or formula feeding or whatever you're doing, your body has to now adjust to that. And a lot of people look at it like we should be up and going within a week with the house clean, the toilet scrubbed, the baby fed, dinner is made. We're taking kids to play dates. We're taking kids to school. We're doing tutoring. And we're just supposed to smile and swallow that down with no help? No. And that was a reality check that had to happen with my husband, too. Because in his household, the mom is the one that supports everyone, and the dad was the one that worked. But his mom also worked. His mom would work overnight shifts and then wake up in the morning and get the kids ready for school, take them to school and come back and sleep for a couple of hours, and then clean the house, get them ready, 
pick them up from school, take them to their practices, and then back on night shift. Mm-mm. No. I mean, how, how See, is that I, I'm guilty of wanting to be that 1940s wife where I have a pie made and I have the pretty little dress on, the hair is done, the makeup's done, but that's because that's how I was raised to think that I'm supposed to be. Now, oh. don't get me wrong. I love the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. I'm pretty sure I was alive then because the music is just anyway it's not healthy (laughs) (laughs) because we can't we can't do it all and a lot of moms now are working full-time jobs I mean I I can't get anything done no and I know I know enough now that I'm like I know what I can take on and what I can't and I know when I need to go nope it's not the right time Mm -hmm. so it's not healthy and he his mom was not not no no yeah yeah, but there are a lot of women in that generation who do that. I mean, a lot of her friends lived mm. out the same role. And with me personally, I'm kind of the opposite because my parents were only together until I was nine. And even before that, it was not like that. I mean, my dad did expect for my mom to keep things clean. And if she didn't clean them well enough, he would call her stupid and ignorant. So there was that. But after she moved out... I lived with my dad and I would only go see my mom every other weekend. So from nine until 18, a little bit past 18, maybe, because I was in and out of the house a little bit as I tried to ground myself and find my way. But I watched my dad and he's, you know, a masculine figure in my life and he would build and do things like that, but he never really cleaned the house. (laughs) I mean, there's only a handful of times I ever saw him vacuum the floor. He would you know, do the dishes and stuff like that. But our house was disgusting. So I developed this masculine personality. And when I became a mom, it was really difficult to balance this masculine personality that I've adopted, plus be the mom that my husband expected me to be at that time and wife, because he's grown up watching his mom do what she did And I refused to be that person after a while, but I tried for a long time. I tried to be this masculine person and I would be the one that fixed things around the house or did the upgrades in the house. And I would also have to work and cook dinner and Uh breakfast. And honestly, in the beginning of motherhood, my husband is very active in the gym we would wake up at the crack of dawn with our daughter and he would have to work he he would leave for work because it wasn't this was pre-covid so he would leave for work which was like 45 minutes from our house so he would have to leave really early in the morning sit in traffic go to work sit in traffic again on the way back and then he would be home for maybe an hour or two to put our daughter to bed and then he would go to the gym until nine o'clock at night and then get home and we would maybe have an hour together and then we would go to bed. So I was home with her all the time. So when he left to go to the gym, I was the one that had to deal with the screaming because she didn't want to sleep and the screaming during nap time because I couldn't afford or we couldn't afford to put her in childcare for $1,500 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, I would only work a couple of days during the week and then I would work on the weekends. And I'm telling you, I was so burnt out, Sarah, 
there were days when I thought about ending it. Uh I really just couldn't do it anymore. But guess what? I was staying positive. When he came home, I had that smile on my face. And then there were days when I felt guilty that I was still in PJs. I mean, how messed up is that? Should I put on a glittery dress for you when you come home? Uh And I know that talking about these things, because this is something that, that I get a lot with um, starting the podcast and me on social media, I'll post positive things and I'll post negative things. We and just I, talked about this this morning. <laughs> really? And text message, remember? A little about appearance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that part. Yeah. So we're thinking about doing a video podcast. We're thinking about <laughs> making this a video podcast. And, um, you know, us as women, this is just natural. We think, should we do our hair or makeup and wear pretty clothes? And I'm going to tell you guys, if we ever start this video podcast, I'm going to be looking like a wreck some days and you're going to have to be okay with it (laughs) or not. I don't really care because there are some days that I'm just, I'm a wreck Uh because I'm a human being. But I do know that both of us are making step or taking steps towards taking better care of ourselves. Uh And some people look at that like hair and makeup and nice clothes. And everybody has different views of that. But me personally, I don't like makeup. Uh It irritates my face. And I cannot wait for the minute I can wash that shit off. Uh (laughs) I hate it. Uh So I finally, probably within the last couple of months, said, you know what? Part of my self-care and taking care of myself is not going to be makeup. Uh It's just not. It's not what I like yeah but I'm not saying that's wrong for anybody else well I feel like if you have your hair done I feel like you're good yeah I'm not totally against makeup you know I know a lot of people who are obviously in the industry Uh and they use it in creative ways ways to express themselves and I'm all for that there are so many things like that that are parents will tell us or teachers will tell us or friends will tell us that we adopt as our beliefs Mm -hmm. and I think that that is a part of maturing and growing is finding out what you believe what you think is true because I've been told I can't even tell you Sarah about how many people are you sick have you lost weight you're looking really thin literally I mean I'm sorry my mom is one of the worst people for that oh my god you're looking thin are you okay when my mom has dealt with weight issues her entire life and i've looked at her struggle with those weight issues and beat herself up for eating sugar or crap and yet you're telling me i'm too skinny you want to be skinny but then you look at me and you tell me i'm disgusting what And I know my mom loves me, so don't get me wrong. She does, but she's projecting Mm -hmm. because she feels insecure about her weight and she looks at me who's skinny Mm -hmm. and she's making me feel bad. And there are so many people out there that do that. They project their own insecurities onto you. Then there are also people that will, I guess this goes back to that toxic positivity that will always be like, you're fine the way you are. You're perfect. You're great. You're this, you're that. And you could be super unhealthy and not doing anything to change yourself. But they're like, no, you're fine. You're fine. Live your life. You're good. You're good. Yep. 
that's probably the worst toxic positivity there is because if somebody truly needs to change something about themselves whether it's emotional physical or appearance wise Mm -hmm. and you're there standing there saying no you're fine you're good you're causing more harm to that person yeah you could be and i um i hear this a lot with the rising of plus size models and I am all for having all shapes, sizes, and colors on billboards, okay? All for it. But it can be sticky because how many of those models are dealing with diabetes or high blood pressure? Because I'm sorry, either being overweight or underweight, it can go both ways. Our bodies are made to be a certain size depending on where we are as people, like I'm supposed to be small because I'm five foot and I have a really tiny body frame. And I just went to the doctor a little while ago and my BMI was perfect. I weigh 95 pounds. And when I look at the scale, I wanna cry because I wanna be heavier. I feel like I need to be heavier, but I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And a lot of us will look at it like, just because they're overweight, they're unhealthy, or just because they're underweight, they're unhealthy, or the opposite. You're perfect just the way you are. Forget about the diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh Yeah. And it's just none of it. None of it is healthy. Really, what we need to do is how do you feel? Not how do you look? How are you feeling? Do you feel good? Are you confident? Okay, then who cares how much you weigh or what you look like? If you feel good and you feel healthy, you have energy to do the things that you love to do, keep it that way. But if you have someone bombarding you with toxic positivity and saying, oh yeah, you're great. 300 pounds, you look like you're 200. If you're 300 pounds, I'm sorry, I don't think you're healthy. And I could get flack for this, for sure. But it's just the truth of the matter. But if you want me to go ahead and do it back the other way, I have read many times, many, many, many times that being underweight is actually way worse for you than being overweight. Because at least when you're overweight, you're getting the food in your system, you're getting nutrients. But if you're underweight and you are borderline anorexic, you're not getting nutrients in your system. Therefore, you're going to burn out and kill yourself because your insides are trying to find some sort of substance. So it's going to take from your energy in other places. And uh, guess what? You're talking to someone who had to go through the same thing. So when I say you know, I just don't think that being 300 pounds is healthy. I also don't think that being 95 pounds and not getting food in your system is healthy either. Uh Because I've had to deal with that. There was a point in my spiritual journey where I was really digging into the chemicals that are in in our food. Uh And oh my God, the effect that that has on your mental health is worse than just eating the damn sugar. Because for one, yes, it's ridiculous that we are being served food that are illegal in other countries. Absolutely. 
But if I continue to focus on that, I'm going to start to hate food and I'm not going to eat and I'm going to continue to lose weight and wither into nothing. But you always want to be positive at the end of the day, no matter what, even if you look at it, how I'm saying we have all these chemicals in our food and stuff. I can look at the negative of that, or I can look at it like, you know what, this is a learning experience for me and I'm being challenged on how much I want to take care of myself. And every time I reach for the sugar, I can then say, how am I feeling? Why am I reaching for sugar instead of an apple or a banana? Well, I mean, it's funny you bring all this stuff up because I had a very good talk with one of the other students at the yoga center yesterday, and I don't even know how the conversation got started, but when I walked in there, I was just thinking about how, like, I I need to go to the grocery store and buy, like, you know, good, clean, healthy food. No more of this processed crap. Well, then I go in there, and I end up setting up right next to him, and he just starts talking to me, and he's like, you know, he's like, we just shouldn't eat a lot of meat. That's where he started. He's like, I'll weigh you down. And if you want to feel light in this practice, and he's from India, very nice guy. And he's like, if you want to feel light in this practice, he's like, you can't eat stuff that weighs you down. You must eat light. You must eat, you must drink light. He said, no sugar, no processed food, uh, coconut water, uh, fruits and vegetables, light, fresh food. And I was just like, where is this conversation coming from? And now we're talking about it again (laughs) here on the podcast. So with him saying that, it all just clicks. Like going back to, you know, makeup and hair and dressing. Well, what you're putting in your body, you have to take care of it. So if you're eating crap, guess how you're going to feel? But if you feel good and you're eating good and you're putting the good in your body, I mean, food has energy. So... (laughs) I mean, what you put in, you get out. It's the same thing, you know, just like we've said in another podcast, what you listen to, what you watch, what you see, all that stuff. So I don't know why, but what he said just clicked and Sarah's eating light, greeny, coconutty stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And then you can have real positivity and not the toxic positivity because the toxic positivity would be, oh, well, I can eat the sugar and the processed foods and I can still feel good. I'm sorry, there are chemical things that happen in our bodies when we put this food in it that's just not good. So you can try to cover it up with your positivity band-aid as much as you want, but it's just not going to work. Not in my belief anyway, me personally. I I believe that you can still have this stuff in moderation. Yeah. But not your whole diet. Yeah. A little bit a little bit once in a while if you're gonna have but that's I mean you have got to take care of the body that you were given because if you don't it's gonna show it's gonna wear out yeah yeah and then once you're feeling good and you're putting good things in your body you're taking care of yourself and your energy I think it makes it easier to work through these emotions that come up because you're feeling good and you can confront these things from a clear viewpoint, a clear state of mind instead of all foggy. If you feel like you have toxic positivity in your life and you want to get rid of it and you want to start being more real, just know that having the awareness of it, and I always say this, just having the awareness is key, and then allowing yourself to process it, and knowing it will 
pass. Nothing is permanent. And even though we have layers and sometimes this stuff will come back up, usually once we allow ourselves to feel it, we don't have to worry about it again, not for a while. And if it comes back up, we can go back to the time that we processed it and remember, hey, it passed then. I haven't had to deal with this for several weeks or months or years. And it's just coming up again because there could be some leftover residual residue that's being triggered from whatever's happening in front of you. And just go ahead and let it do its thing. Stop running from it. We are only human. And I think to what happens is at our soul level, we know our divinity. And right now during this time, we're getting closer and closer to being our higher selves. And a part of us knows what we're capable of. And I think that that's where a lot of this toxic positivity comes in because it's kind of an internal struggle between divinity and ego. Mm -hmm. You have to let ego have its part too. There's a reason why we come in with ego. And ego can serve us in a lot of ways. But always remember that we incarnated here for a reason. I believe that we choose everything we go through and sometimes it doesn't have to be as bad. We have free will and we can get ourselves out of sticky situations before we go too deep into it. But sometimes we don't choose to do that and that's okay. Everything is learning and everything happens for a reason. Uh So allow yourself to feel that ego, feel that fear, feel that sadness, feel the anger, Feel it. Don't take it out on anybody, but feel it. It's uncomfortable, but it's amazing once you actually feel it and address it. Because I know right now I've healed a lot of my inner child, but my inner teenager is coming up and she is pissed. Mm -hmm. She's pissed at the things that happened to her. So I'm having to work a lot with anger right now. And I hate that. I hate anger. It it makes me feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) But I'm telling you, though, once I feel that anger, because anger is powerful. Anger gives me confidence. Anger lets me set boundaries. Anger lets me make changes in my life. Where sadness puts me in victimhood a lot. And that is where I've been comfortable in the sadness and depression. But now I'm moving past that and I'm feeling the anger. But I'll tell you right now, an angry woman is someone you don't want to mess with. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to give out that vibe to people now instead of the victim vibe. Because when I was living in victim vibe, people would take advantage of me. And I'm not saying I'm going to be anger, but like I said, anger lets me set boundaries. So I can channel that anger and attach it to boundaries with compassion But the underlying energy I'm giving out is don't fuck with me because it's not going to be good for you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at now. I don't know where I'm at now. (laughs) Not yet. That's okay. You know, I go through waves. I think we all do. But I learn more about myself in these times, for sure. I'm finding out more of who I am Mm -hmm. in these times. I can be angry. And I can be sad, but I can also be 
extremely happy and joyful and grateful and compassionate and empathetic. It's just how we choose to merge the two. Yeah. That's going to make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for the day. Hopefully this has been very helpful. I was going to save this episode for later, but something was telling me I needed to go ahead and and do this and talk about toxic positivity because we have so much going on in the world right now that we really do need to feel. Mm -hmm. We really do need to feel that and let it be what it is because right now, currently the fires are happening in Canada. There's a volcano erupting in Hawaii. There's all sorts of things going on in our world that is difficult to process. It's difficult to watch and it's so much easier just to stay positive. But if we continue to stay positive, we're ignoring the issue at hand. If we allow ourselves to be angry about the fires, then guess what? We're going to start making changes because we don't enjoy being angry. Mm -hmm. Same with plastic. That's how I feel about plastic. When I see plastic floating around in the ocean and the little canned wrapping I don't even know what to call it, but you know what I'm talking about where it, you know, and they are stuck around ducks and fish and stuff like that. That comes on the the soda bottles or whatever. Right. Right. It makes me so angry, Mm -hmm. but guess what that does? It makes me stop using them. So even though it looks so negative and it feels so negative, look at the real not the toxic positive side of it but the real positive side of it because i'm feeling this it's making me make changes in my life which is making me make changes in the world which is going to create a better and safer environment for my kids and my grandkids mm-hmm. that's just what i think our next episode is going to be about impasse and are you an empath Yes, I think this is very important to know if you're going through the spiritual journey because if you are an empath, it'll have an effect on how you heal. So we think it's really important to know if you're an empath and how you can handle that. Until next time, keep keep vibing vibing consciously. Thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery and healing. We hope the discussions and practices we've shared have helped you raise your vibration and find more peace and balance in your life. Remember to be kind to yourself and listen to your body and trust the process. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Vibing Consciously Podcast for more insights and inspiration. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep shining your light and spreading your love and positivity wherever you go. Namaste.